0: Hey Merry Christmas. That's coming up guys. Merry Christmas to you online. I'm sure we'll say it on Christmas Eve too, but thanks for joining us online. We love you all. Love our online people for sure. Uh, I, um, anybody done with Christmas shopping? No. Okay. Me neither. You are done. Good job. You, there's not a couple hands back there too. Um, I, I don't usually wait this late at all. It's just been a busy uh, month for us. So I went yesterday. You guys going the Saturday before Christmas? It will literally change your prayer life. I mean, you're just like, you get born again, let me tell you. It is it's some crazy stuff. So, um, hey, uh... Pastor Kurt and Emily, they are not here this morning. Emily is not feeling so great, and and so they just got some sickness going on in their family. So before we get into the word, let's pray for them, and then I think it's always a good idea to just come before the Lord before we hear what he has to say to us. So let's do that real quick. Lord God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you've already done, Lord, that you are moving in this place. You are moving in our hearts. God, we bless Right now, our pastors, Kurt and Emily, God, we ask that you would bring health and healing to their household, that you would bring strength and rejuvenation to them, Lord. You would give them the fullness of heaven, Lord. It would just flow in and out of their household over Trinity and over Evie. We love you. We are so thankful for our senior pastors. In Jesus' name, God, and we just give the rest of this time to you. We ask that your name would be glorified, Jesus, that you would make yourself known in this place. And Holy Spirit, you would do everything you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can get them open. And uh, let's start. You can turn to the book of Hosea. Do you guys know that's a real a real Bible, book of the Bible? That's That's in there. <laughs> Hosea, if you don't know where it is open up right to the middle and then go over, go to your right about, I don't know, six books or something. It's right after Daniel. And then we will end up in 1 John chapter 4. So Hosea 2 and then 1 John chapter 4. We are going to talk about the love of God today. We're going to kind of stay in the Advent theme. We're focused on love. And so why not talk about the love of God? And when Pastor Kerr asked me to do this a couple weeks ago, I'm like, oh, that narrows it down. It's basically Genesis through Revelation, <laughs> right? Come on. The whole Bible is love. Every part of it, every story, we see his love. God's love is so vast. It is so deep. It is so wide. We will never, ever get to the end of it for all eternity, It is that wild, and it is radical, and it has been given for you. The more that we see love revealed, the more that we see God revealed, because God is love. How many of you know that? Let's say it together. God is love. You can't separate the two. God is love. It's just who he is. There is nothing you can do to earn it. And there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. <laughs> he just loves you. That's who he is. He can't help it. He loves. That's who he is. So today, you know, I, I kind of want to, um, gosh, just take a drop in the vast ocean of love. We're just going to get a, a drop, but see if we can gain just a deeper understanding of how much he loves us. In the New Testament, oftentimes the word love is in the Greek. It's, it, well, it's in the Greek, and it's Agape. It's divine, pure, perfect love. But we're going to look at a different word this morning. We're going to look at a Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word for love. And I love the Hebrew because it's pictorial, so we're going to see a picture here in a little while. But in the Hebrew, when um, it, it's a Hebrew word called kessed. You have to like get it back in the back of your throat and go kessid. like you're going to spit. Yeah, don't do it because you don't want to like spit at your people. Hebrew people are amazing. Jewish people are amazing the way they can say it, but it's kessid. And um, it is so vast and, and, and deep in its meaning that there is not one English word or one Greek word that it can be translated to. It always requires either a hybrid word like loving kindness Or you need additional words to love, like um, everlasting love, steadfast love. It's all chesed. Let me give you a couple examples in scripture. Psalm 69, verse 15 and 16 says, Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shed its mouth on me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn to me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Loving kindness is kessed. It is good. It is full of, it is faithful, it is steadfast, it is full of mercy. Actually, if you try to translate this word into the New Testament, it falls um, more closely to mercy. It is unmerited goodness and kindness and favor. It's an outward towards other. It's completely opposite of self, and it's fearless. This is kessed. What God loves you is kessed for you. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. We can't get away from it. Even if everything in life is shaking, even if everything else in life is falling apart, maybe a marriage, maybe children, maybe a job, maybe politics, maybe the very world itself will be shaken to its core, but Kessid will never be shaken towards you. That's what God says. It's so powerful. Now, since the Hebrew language is a pictorial language, we're going to kind of dissect this word and get a really deeper understanding. We'll never get to the bottom of it, but we're going to do our best. So let's put kessid up on the screen. This is the Hebrew word for kessid. It's got three letters, three letters. And within each letter, there contains a picture that we're going to try to unveil here, okay? So this first, we're actually going to start on our left. So we're going to go left to right, even though the Hebrew um, you would read right to left, but there's power in that too. So let's start on your left. So that, that letter that kind of looks like a T, this is the picture for that. It's the picture of a door or a gate and the need for selflessness and humility to pass through it. That's what that symbol there is showing. Listen to what Jesus says of himself in John 10:7. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. In order to experience the love of God, you have to humble yourself and selflessly go through the gate that is Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for you, who took on all of your sins, who made a way, who who, um, prepared, or didn't prepare, but well, he paved the way to have a connection with Father God. When we want to have a connection with love, we have to go through the narrow gate. You see that? Okay, let's go to the next letter. So this next letter, it's, it's sort of circular. Um, and that shows that circular motion shows that it's, a, um, it's rotating, right? So God loves us and we love the world. God loves us, we love the world. God loves us, we love the world. It's rotating. And that perimeter there, the white perimeter, represents creator God, And then the empty space within it, that that part, the black part, that is all of his creation. And it gives a sense of protection. That Father God, that God will protect. He is actually obligated by love to protect his creation. That's part of love. When we understand love, we understand God as our protector, as our defender, though everything Shaken, his love for us will never be. Okay, let's go to that last letter there. Looks almost like an N. This is a really fascinating one to me. So, this actually represents um, an ability for humanity to go from the natural into the supernatural. And actually, if you look at the ancient Hebrew letter, there's lines underneath that top line, and it gives an um, illustration like a ladder, like you're going upwards. Okay? Now, now think about that for a minute. The love of God calls you higher, doesn't it? And he calls you, when he, when he does call you by his love, you, you have an ability to look past the natural circumstances and look things from his point of view. You are able to call down the things of heaven and apply them to the things of earth. And that's how we change our surroundings. Okay so let's put this let's put this kessed word together. It is actually the spirit of God that leads all man to rep- all men to repentance, right? He is the one who takes us out of the natural and says, "I have a need for God, creator God in the middle." I'm reading it now from left from right to left. This is the way the word really does go. I have a need for God. And within him, when I come to him, he will protect me. He will protect me from death. He will protect me from hell. He will forgive me for all things. And the only way I can get there is through the blood of Jesus. That's Kesed. That is Kesed love. Fascinating. We could spend series talking about each individual level or letter because it is so vast at its core. Now listen to this one. So that last letter that I pointed out, the one that's like a ladder moving upward, this is really fascinating. It also represents prophecy and wisdom, prophecy and wisdom. What a strange thing. Why is that so strange? Well, it's really not because God did it and he's awesome. It says prophecy is what? It's going beyond our natural understanding, our natural human knowledge, and going into the spirit realm and saying, God, what are you saying about these specific situations or this specific person? It's going there and then releasing that prophecy here on earth. That's what what that is saying. You have the ability to do that in Love in God's perfect love for you. The crazy thing is if you go to 1 Corinthians, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to paraphrase these things. 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter, in, in chapter 12 and 14, it focuses on the gifts of the Spirit. We need the gifts of, of the Spirit. They are in full operation today. If you go to a church and they say the gifts of the Spirit are not in operation, they are not correct. It's, I don't believe it's because they've graduated from the natural to the spiritual. I'm sorry, and I'm not trying to diss anything. I'm just saying we need the gifts of the Spirit, okay? Absolutely need them. So you have the gifts of the Spirit in 12 and chapter 14, and right in the middle is chapter 13, and it is the love chapter. It is all about if I can say and do all these magnificent things, but I do not have love, I am nothing, nothing. Everything I say, everything I do needs to come out of Kessid love, out of Kessid for it to be effective. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Okay, so let me read this. This is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, and we're going to move right into 14. It says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why? Why is the greatest of these love? Because love is eternal, because love has no end. Actually, when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis one one, because we know He is Creator God, as we saw in Kessid, He He created time in itself out of love, and He created all creation. He created you. He created me. He created Adam. He created Eve. All out of Kessid love. His love is eternal. It will never, ever end. But when you and I get to heaven, right now on earth, we need faith. We need faith to live every single day and to keep doing this thing, right? When we get to heaven, we don't need faith anymore. We're in the fullness of who God is. Right now, today, we need hope. We got a really messed up world out there. But when we see him for who he fully is, we don't need hope anymore. But what will we be in? love. We will be in chesed love for all eternity and he will protect us. He will make himself known. There will be facets upon facets of him that will be everlasting that we will spend eternity getting to know. It's mind boggling. Really. It is so wild. When we prophesy and when we get words of wisdom it needs to be out of love we went to Croatia we took a a team of women Melinda came with me back in August and Hannah Hartman and then my daughter Michaela and another sweet girl Janessa we went to Croatia back in August the church sent sent us there in case you didn't know sweet mission trip okay Um, we went there to work with Ukrainian refugees so uh Ukraine is still at war keep praying for them guys This war is not over, but they have um, flown their country, left their country, (laughs) went, went to Croatia. We actually had sent a guys team, Ben and Dylan and Grayson were there in April. And one of the things they did on the last night is they prophesied over the youth and it rocked the youth there. I mean, it rocked these guys too. Ben shared a little bit about that back in like May, I think. So we went and so they were familiar with our church of like, oh, these people, they believe in the gift of prophecy. So um, Yulia, who oversaw the camp, she was she knew Ben, she asked um, a few, uh, Melinda and Hannah and myself, she's like, would you guys come and spend some time with the moms, with the, with the adult women at this camp and prophesy over them? And we're like, sure, that's great. So we went, I'm sorry, I'm bumping into things. So we went, uh, uh, I don't know, that day or the next day or whatever, spent two and a half hours with these seven or eight women and just prophesied over them. And they were crying and, I mean, they're. Tears turned into joy. They looked, I mean, hunched over by the time we were done. You know, they're like, their countenance changes, right? That's what prophecy does. And so they left, and they rejoined the group. They rejoined their kids and their husbands. By the end of the day, uh, Julia came back to us, and she said, hey, I got another question. Would you be willing to prophesy over the men? The husbands are like, what happened to my wife? And whatever she got, I kind of want that too, So we're like, sure, that's great. So the next day they come in, we spend two hours with, I think there were six guys, two hours with these men, okay? And again, they're kind of like, I don't know about this, whatever, right? And just hunched over and no, just not a lot of life, not a lot of hope. And prophecy, when you speak in prophecy, it is for the comfort, encouraging, and strengthening of the church. That is the whole purpose of prophecy. It's not to be weird or to think you're cool because it's not, it's fully about kessed love, fully about love, okay, and so we, we do this, and we have some men that are weeping, but by the end, they're, they've all, they're all different, their countenance is different, and the, um, Yulia's husband, I think it was Andre, maybe it was Peter, I can't remember, but one of the men stayed back, and um, when we were all through, we were just getting ready to rejoin everyone else, and he, st- he said, you guys don't even know what just happened right here, And we're like, oh, okay, what what happened? We just loved people and prophesied. And he said, "It it is not common at all. Actually, it's unheard of for men in Croatia, in Ukraine, to have women pray over them. And the very fact that they asked you guys to pray over them, to speak over them, and to prophesy in them, it broke something. It broke barriers. What happened? We went from the natural, and they were willing to do this too. From love, we went in um, we went past the natural into the supernatural, got the word of God, and it literally changed people's lives. It changed the entire camp. People, like the adults, were like, oh, let's do this, kids. You know, they wanted to be there instead of coming from a place of hopelessness. Do you see that? But it all has to be rooted in love. All of it has to be rooted in love. It's so powerful. This Hebrew picture shows us that through Jesus Christ, we are shown mercy. We are protected and have the ability to go beyond the natural and into the spiritual. And when you read that Hebrew word correctly, it's actually the spirit that leads you to repentance, makes you aware of Creator God, and brings you to Jesus Christ. It's powerful. I do love to read the Old Testament. I don't know if you guys are really there. I, love, I read the Old Testament, New Testament, and a portion in the middle every single day. The Old Testament, it's, it's a good reminder for us of how sinful at the core we are. Every human is. But the Old Testament shows this merciful God that is constantly luring his people and his nation back to him. His desire is to love us. It's who he is. It's said, it's to show us mercy and goodness and kindness all the days of our life. And in the book of Hosea there's it's actually a pretty intense story. God called one man, a prophet, and gave him a pretty hard assignment. He said, "Hey buddy, hey Hosea, I want you to go find yourself a prostitute and I want you to marry her, a harlot woman." And I want you to have children with her. And every time she turns and runs away from you, I want you to go get her. And what God was trying to do is illustrate the nation of Israel every time they would be sucked in by all these other gods and stuff. That the Lord was constantly like, I'm going to come back after you. I'm coming back after you. Are there consequences to disobedience? Absolutely. But the end game is that he wants the nation to love him. He wants his people to love him because he loves them. So Hosea goes, and he marries this woman, and she, they have three kids. I think actually oh, the first one is his biological child. The other two are born from other lovers, but Hosea takes them in. And then in chapter two, we see what God's end game really is, and this is what he begins to say. We're going to pick up the story in chapter two, verse 14, Whew. I'm so excited for this. It says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Let's stop right there. Allure her, allure means to powerfully attract. When you are in sin or when the world is trying to get your attention on things, this is what God does. He comes after you and he says, I want to powerfully attract them back to me. I want to make myself so known in their eyes that these other gods, these other lovers that are trying to entice them can't even stand up. So he allures her and he allures her into the wilderness. How many of you love the wilderness season? You know, it is that is a God moment when he takes us into the wilderness. Do not despise, do not hate, do not be scared of the wilderness season because love is in the wilderness and he wants to speak kindly and tenderly it literally means to your heart he wants to go after the heart that's what he's after all right we can keep going verse 15 it says and there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of acre a door of hope (laughs) love that a door of hope it's Jesus he's the door And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. He's about relationship. He's about intimacy with you. And no longer will you call me my Baal. My Baal means my master or my God, like a lower G. He wants to be known to you and by you as his husband as her husband. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Verse 17. For I will remove the names of the bales from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by me, my name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the fields, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow and the sword and war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. There's that protection of love. Mm. And I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, in Kessid. That is all Kessid. And the end game for the Lord is right here. And you shall know the Lord. See, we say things like, Um, does God love me? We might ask that question. Or does God really love the world? I mean, look how wicked it is. God is love. He loves the world. But here's the question we need to ask. Do you know him? Do I know him and does he know me? Because the only way to know Father God and for him to know me is through Jesus Christ is through humbling myself and saying, I'm going to choose you, Lord. I see, I see the love that you have for me, Jesus, and I'm saying yes to it, and I'm gonna die to myself. I'm gonna come humbly just as I am before you. And that's when God's like, I know you. I know you. And so in the wilderness, he wants to be made known to his bride. I'm gonna be a little vulnerable this morning and share a story with you guys. A little bit about my past because it falls right in line with this story about how jealous God is for you. He wants to be made known to you. My husband and I have been married for 24 years. He's in the back there. I love you. Love you very much. Yep, 24 years. Um, And uh, when we were about six years into our marriage, I was unfaithful. And I was unfaithful for about nine months, a very long time. And I can remember still going to church every Sunday, and I would sit there, and I would say, God, I would give anything for you to just expose this. Would you let me be caught? Why? Why was I feeling that? Number one, well, a lot of reasons, but sin is out to still kill and destroy. That is what sin wants to do. It wants to separate you from God, and that is what you begin to feel when you are in sin. It's true. And so I couldn't feel his presence. I couldn't feel his, his I couldn't hear his voice anymore and I was just getting to a point where I'm like, "God, I know you, but I don't feel you anymore. I don't hear you anymore." And I think the other reason why he never allowed me to be caught is because I'm going to allure you into the wilderness because I have some things I want to deal with, yes, with the enemy, but also with your heart. I was going to be going into a wilderness season. When I was six years old, I got saved. And by the time I was eight years old, my father left, my mother. And from that time on, I began to, to um, feel rejection, unworth, like you're not worth staying for. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel all the things that come with it. I have a very close relationship with my dad now. I have fully forgiven him. But all those things that just broke me down over the course of however many years, I began to look for love in anybody else. And I went into my teenage years very promiscuous, and I even took it into my marriage, and God had some dealings to do with. He loved me, but he was done with the sin. And so I finally got to a point, I I talked to someone, and I I was just like, so if you hypothetically know someone who's in some deep sin and wants to get out of it, what would you tell them to do? (laughs) And this person said, oh, you just bring it into the light. Just bring it into the light. I'm like, oh my gosh. When the Lord reminded me of this when I was preparing for this message, I shared it at first service, and I believe it's a prophetic word for this church. We are called city lights. The reason we are called city lights is because we are to be a light on a hill, shining for Jesus, right? But I also believe that we are a beacon of light for things that are lurking in the shadows, that are staying in the darkness, that need to be revealed. Not so that God can shame you. Not so that God can make you feel guilty. Not so that God can yell at you and scream at you, but so that he can free you. He loves you. He is merciful. He is kesed. He loves you, and he wants to see you in full freedom. That's what he does. So he says, bring it into the light. So I confess to my husband, I I, told him what had been going on, and of course, he was angry, and you can imagine all the emotions that he he went through and he dealt with, and our story is, is amazing. It really is. God totally redeemed it, but what I want to tell you is what the Lord did with me, and I was a very broken person, so I confessed it to him, and then I called my church. I called the church I knew, and I asked to speak to a counselor. I needed some help, so they put me in touch with this woman, um, at the church and it was basically a sozo it wasn't called sozo 17 years ago but that's basically what happened so she bring, I go into the church and I sit down with her we're in this room and um, I'm sitting in one chair and she's sitting in a chair facing me and she's just kind of cold not real friendly which is fine but she's like so why are you here and I'm like well I've been faithful in my marriage and really I just need to know the Lord again I just want to know him even if it costs me everything." Even if it costs me my marriage, even if it costs me my children, even if it costs me my house, even if it costs me finances, if it costs everything I know, I want Jesus back in my life. I want to hear the Holy Spirit again. That's how you go through the door of love. That's how you go through Jesus. It's just come as you are. I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing to offer, but Jesus, She paid it all. So she said, okay. She's like, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're just going to sit and wait on the Lord. I'm like, okay. So she prays, and we just sit there, and I'm like, this is so weird. Like, I I don't even know what I'm supposed to be hearing. I don't know anything. So I'm just kind of sitting there, and I'm like, God, you know, our eyes are just closed. And then all of a sudden, I go into, like, this cave. I'm taken into a vision, and I'm taken into, like, a cave, except it's a cave that goes downward, but it's all different dimensions of rocks, and um, and it, it's reds, reds everywhere, like crimson, dark reds. It's layers upon layers of all kinds of weirdness, and it was cold. And the further down I went, the colder it got, and we went down and down, and I kept going down. And as I was going down, I heard these voices, not human words, but I heard laughing, and I heard mocking and heckling, and it was it was horrible. It was very scary. And so we just went down and, and I, it was like, it was like I was just being taunted of like, see, you're not worthy. See, you're not good enough. You don't need to be loved. You're not qualified to do anything good. You're always going to be a mess. You're always going to be terrible. You're always going to make stupid choices. And it's just, I felt it all. And it was scary and it was horrible. I just went down and down and down And then finally, I got towards the bottom of the pit, and I saw this light, this bright light just shining on the floor of this pit. And there was an operating table just lying right there, nothing else, it felt very sterile. And I was laying on this operating table, and I knew I was getting ready for heart surgery. And I laid there still, and all of a sudden, and the the noises were so intense at this moment, and it was cold. And all of a sudden, out of the right hand side, I saw this hand come out. And he had a judge's gavel. And he lifted that thing up. And it came down and he smacked it on my heart. And he said in a powerful voice, enough, she's mine. said it one time, enough, she's mine. And all that heckling, all that mocking, all that laughter scurried away. It was screeching, like, creator god just spoke and he let every demon in hell know that is enough tormenting that is enough torture that is enough mocking over this one she's mine and today she's mine Mm -hmm. that's right that is chesed love he will go to the depths of any place to fight for you to draw you back he'll go anywhere you just come back come to him come in humility selflessness say jesus i can't do it on my own you've done it all and i just need to receive your love he radically redeemed and restored our marriage we are in love aren't we babe i didn't hear you <laughs> Oh, this is guested love. He's never out to shame you. He's out to draw you to repentance, and you don't need to be afraid of it. I want to start closing. I want to look at First uh, John 4, 7 and 11, 7 through 11. This love is not just for us. It's because this is how we are to respond to him, but also to respond to the world. When the world messes with us, when they make us mad, Jesus says to forgive Don't forgive once, twice, three times. He says to forgive and forgive and forgive. 1 John 4, 7 through 11 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us, He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is love, it's for each other. And we're not always easy to love. We're not always easy to get along with. But because of God's great love for us, his kindness, his steadfast, his good, his merciful, his kind, his eternal love, as we go past the natural and step up into the spiritual, we are able to do what he's commanded us to do. Go into all the world and make disciples. Heal them. Cast out demons. Come up higher, come up higher.